Amen. Well, this morning I have a message for you. And it's a little bit, um, a little different from what I normally would, would speak about. Um, but I, I do believe it's from the Lord. A couple, of, about two years ago, um, when Roe v. Wade was overturned with the Supreme Court, um, I was at my patio the next morning and I was praying. And um, I heard the Holy Spirit say, um, how did he word it? Heard the Holy Spirit talk about how be thankful you live in a Goshen state, is what he said. Be thankful you live in a Goshen state, G-O-S-H-E-N. And some of you are like, what is Goshen? I'm going to tell you, don't worry. Just give me a second. And then the Lord began to deal with me on this Goshen thing for a while. It's been over two years. And he just recently put it on my heart to speak about it, probably a month ago. And I had a series planned for the whole month of December. And the Lord was like, I know I gave you that, but I don't want you to speak on it. I want you to speak on this. So I said, yes, sir, because he's in charge, not me. And so this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 8, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians, remember that, the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies. And the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen. This is where I'm preaching from this morning. I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Verse 22, one more time. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Of the land. The title of my message this morning is Are You Dwelling in Goshen? Are You Dwelling in Goshen? Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name you would allow me to communicate this the way you want it done, and in my own opinion or theology to come up, but it all be yours. And I pray, God, that every person on the sound of my voice will leave this place changed, wanting and knowing you more, and we would want and desire more of you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I got to give you a little backstory here. So Goshen was an area in ancient Egypt that was the, it was the northeastern cent, like section of the Nile Delta. So the Nile flows up, and it, it disperses into the Mediterranean Sea. And the, the northeastern area of this delta is where Goshen was. And Egypt is obviously a very sandy place because it's in Africa, it's a desert area, except around the Nile. Around the Nile was a very fertile area because of the river and the delta. It kind of spans out. Y'all know what a delta looks like. It, it broke off in a bunch of different streams and it was very fertile. And what ends up happening is, if you know the story of Joseph, Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up in captivity in Egypt and then has some dreams, tells Pharaoh, I'm giving you like a 400-year history in like you know, 30 seconds. And he ends up becoming second in command in all of Egypt. And Egypt is the most powerful nation on the planet at this particular time. And so what ends up happening is there's a famine that hits the land and Joseph is in charge of like the food distribution and his family is over in Canaan. And they, are, they move from Canaan over to Egypt. And when they get there to Joseph's family, Pharaoh says, 
Well, you guys are shepherds. You got a bunch of sheep and livestock with you. And Egypt's not all that conducive to livestock. So we're going to give you the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh gives <clears throat> Joseph and his family, it's Jacob and all the sons, the basically who becomes the nation of Israel, gives them this area of Goshen to dwell. The main reason being that they were shepherds. It's important that you note that because the Egyptians did not like shepherds. They did not like the job, the occupation of being a shepherd. And so they put them over here, but it also kind of separated them from the rest of Egypt. Pharaoh was like, I got to be nice to you, but the people don't like you, so I'm going to stick you over here in Goshen. And they dwelled in Goshen. But what ends up happening is the famine hits the land, and the Israelites eventually sell themselves into indentured servitude. We don't have any money. We're going to work for you so you'll give us food, which turns into slavery. And what ends up happening is if you read the beginning of the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus opens with one of the verses says, And a Pharaoh arose who knew nor jo no, knew not Joseph nor the God of Joseph, who knew not the God of the, Hebrew, of the Hebrews. And so a new Pharaoh takes over and things start to get bad and the slavery gets worse. They begin crying out for somebody to set them free. It's 400 years of slavery and God sends Moses and you know the deal. I'm giving you a real big overview just to get us on the same place here. And so these people are in slavery but they're still dwelling in this land of Goshen that's fertile and it, it's filled with, with greenery in the middle of the desert. And this is where they're dwelling. And what's amazing to me is when you look up what the name or the word Goshen means, Goshen means drawing near. Goshen means drawing near. And so when I ask you the question this morning, are you dwelling in Goshen? What I'm technically asking you is are you dwelling in a place of drawing near? I don't think any of us need to be a genius to understand that our nation is in a pretty significantly tumultuous place. We're having an identity crisis in our nation. We don't know who we are, what we are, what we're trying to do. We, we, we're confused. Our economy's in trouble. Groceries are crazy. Gas is crazy. Politics are hostile. You can no longer disagree civilly. If you disagree, regardless of what side you're on, you're labeled the enemy. And our nation is in trouble. And I'm not one that usually talks about that kind of stuff, but I heard this and it's been in my spirit for over two years and the Lord finally let me talk about it because I'm telling you right now God is letting people know it's time to get in Goshen he's calling out to people say hey you need to get in Goshen are you dwelling in Goshen now you know the the plagues that take place in Egypt you ever seen the movie the Prince of Egypt if not I encourage you to watch it I'm dead serious if you're an adult and you don't know the story of Moses, go home on Amazon Prime and watch the movie The Prince of Egypt. I know it's a cartoon, but you will actually learn a lot. It's kind of cool. The music ain't that bad either. So, but there's ten plagues. And the first three plagues that happen, we got a bloody, the, the Lord turns the Nile River to blood. He then has frogs, and he has gnats. These three plagues hit the entire nation of Egypt including Goshen but this fourth one the flies starts a series of events in which six more plagues come that hit Egypt but not Goshen and so we see the people of God in the land of Goshen and the plagues are falling on the Egyptians 
but they're not falling on Goshen. I need you to hear what I'm saying. The judgment of God was falling on Egypt, but it was not falling on Goshen. There was trauma and issues and disaster falling on Egypt, but it was not falling on Goshen. Why? Not because God was, was, was being petty. It says in verse 22, I'm doing this so that you will know that I am God in the land. That's why he was doing it. Not to mention, when you look at the plagues that happen and you dive into it, every plague that takes place is a direct attack against the God that the Egyptians had. So every plague that happens, God is systematically tearing down the arguments and the culture and the, and the strength of this godless society. He's proving that he's greater. He's proving that he's stronger over and over again. But it's coming through plagues. And I'm asking you, are you dwelling in Goshen? Are you dwelling in the place of drawing near? Are you drawing near to God? Now, I'm, I'm going to give you just a few different things. The Lord gave me with this this morning. The, we got, I got points and what, the, got points for points and then more points. And I don't know. It's, it's unorganized. And I don't really even like the way it's formatted. But I'm just being obedient. The first one is, are you born again? It's how you know you're dwelling in Goshen. Are you born again? Are you born again? See, the Israelites lived in Goshen. They were all, it was a nation that came from one family. So the genetics were the same. If you tested the blood, you would find out they're all connected. They had a very similar and related blood type. They were of one family. They were of one group of people. I'm here to tell you that, yes, while the nation of Israel is still God's chosen people, time out real quick, just going to let you know, if you're siding with Hamas right now, you're siding against God. Anyway, it's still his chosen people. I'm not supporting genocide, but don't go against God's people. It never ends well for anybody who does. But the reason it's significant that we catch this is because they're all from one man, Abraham. And it becomes this family, and they're all the same gene pool. They're all the same blood. It's the family. It's the blood. Well, guess what? While I might not be of the same gene pool as you, I'm of the same blood as you. Because I've been washed in the blood, and if you're born again, you've been washed in the blood. That's why it matters that you know you're born again, because when you know you're born again, you know what blood you're of. Well, Pastor Chris, I, I, I believe I'm born again. No, 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 no. There ain't no kind of born again. But I was growing up deer hunting. I used to always say, Dad, I think I see a deer. Dad, I think I see a deer. Look over there. I think that's a deer. And my dad used to always say, Chris, when you see a deer, you'll know it's a deer because it looks like a deer. It won't look kind of like a deer. It'll be one. It's not going to be a bush that's brown that's moving in the wind. It's going to be a deer. And I remember the first time I saw one on a hunt by myself that he didn't point out. And from that moment on, I knew what was a deer and what wasn't a deer. There is a, when you are born again, there is a moment that you can go back to that you know I am not who I used to be. 
people attend church and are not born. I'm not saying you said a prayer either. Hear me out. I'm not saying you came to the front and you said the prayer. That I'm not talking about that because I know people who have said that prayer 4,800 times and have never been born again because they went through a religious action and never let it get in here. I know also people who, like my grandmother, who attended church for nine months before she even knew there was a prayer to pray. Because the Lord met her outside of the church. The Lord met her at another place. And she knows today, serving the Lord 50-something years, if you ask her, when did you get saved? She'll tell you the year, the place she was, and what she was wearing. Because it was, an irrem- it, was a, it was a mark on her that cannot be moved. She knows from that moment on, I was different. Are you born again? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Not are you a church attender. Not are you a good person. Not are you a Christianese, I like Jesus things. Are you born again? Can you look at yourself and say, from such and such date and back, I was one person. But from such and such date forward, I'm a different one. Are you born again? Why does it matter? Because it matters who I'm connected to. It matters what applies to me because I want to live in Goshen. But I can't live in Goshen unless I have a certain blood type. I got to be washed in the blood of Jesus. So are you born again? The second one this morning is are you aware? Are you aware? Now, the Israelites were living in Goshen. They were residing in Goshen. But if you read their story... They're literally living in this land and still complaining. When you read the Old Testament and you read how the Israelites act, you would think that the Israelites were actually Americans of the last 30 years. Like, are you sure this isn't written about America from like 94 on? Just complaining about everything? It may be earlier, I just don't remember. I'm going back to what I can remember. But, but you, you see... Are you aware? Because they're living in Goshen. They're living in the land. They're living in the best. The Bible says that Goshen was some of the best land in all of Egypt. And that's where they were. Are you living in Goshen? Are you dwelling there? Because the Israelites were there, but they weren't always aware of what was happening. See, sometimes we we can get frustrated and miss what God is doing because God's not doing what we want him to be doing. We could be praying and believing God for this and this and this and this. And we get frustrated because God's not moving. When in all reality, God is moving. He's just not moving in the way we want him to. As these plagues were coming. And all the livestock were dying. And and it went dark for three days. And it was hailing. and, and, And fire fell from heaven. The Israelites were still complaining. Because they were still in slavery. Let me tell you something. They might have still been in slavery, but they weren't waking up with boils everywhere. Pastor Chris, I, my finances are so tight. I need God to move in my finances. I need God to move in my life. It's just a struggle, and I've been praying, and, and my boss won't hear me. I can't get that promotion. It gets promoted over me, and I don't want to stand what's going on. This is so frustrating. Why, 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 wham, 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 wham. God's not moving. Where is God? Where is God? No, where God is is you have a job, and your bills are being paid, and your family has food, and you got stability in your life. That's where God is. No, God might not be doing what you want, but God's doing what he wants. Because the last time I checked, he's driving, not me. 
Besides, most of the time, whatever I'm praying for God to do, I'm not ready for if he did it. If God skipped the process with most of us, we would get the thing we wanted and ruin it. So what he's got to do is he's got to bring us <clears throat> through some harder times. He's got to bring us through some Goshen times when, no, it ain't, I'm not living in freedom yet, but it, it isn't dark everywhere. I'm not living in the promised land yet, but I'm not, I don't have locusts all over me. I, I, I'm not living in the promised land yet, but I don't have boils all over me and my children. I might not be walking in the fullness of my calling yet, but I'm not bound to drugs anymore. And we can recognize, are we aware with what God is doing in our lives? And I'm telling you, sometimes you got to step back and ask and just look and say, God, what are you doing in my life, even if it's not what I'm wanting you to do? Because I'm telling you, he is preparing you for where he's taking you. One of my favorite verses is in Job chapter 23. It talks about how God is ambidextrous. And it says your right hand moves and I perceive it not. Your left hand moves and I can't see it. We don't always know what God's doing. But it's the one, I believe it's the only spot in scripture where it talks about God's left hand. And why is that significant? Because Psalms and Ephesians says that I'm at the right hand and he upholds me with his righteous right arm and his right hand is on me. And if his right hand is on me, that's great. And I'm glad. But there's no weakness in him. So that means God's ambidextrous. My grandfather was ambidextrous. He could shoot with both hands. He could throw a, a football with both hands. He could write with both hands. He was completely ambidextrous. It was pretty incredible. He tried to teach me how to write punish words one time with both hands and I couldn't do it. He could, but I couldn't. Not fair. But God's working on you over here. And he's working on what he's got for you over here. And with the same amount of power and grace and mercy and goodness that he's working on you, the same amount is working on where he's bringing you. But if we spend so much time complaining because we aren't there yet, we'll miss out on the work he's doing to bring us there. Are you aware in what God is doing in your life and sometimes just what he's keeping from you? what he's just not letting happen to you. And I'm going to tell you, when we get to heaven, when we're in eternity, I believe we're going to be able to see the things he kept us from that we didn't realize. I believe that we're going to be able to look back and realize that there was that one time that we were frustrated on the way to work because we caught the train on the clay, on the way up, up uh, Claiborne over there, and we drive, we caught the bridge, or we caught the train, and we got mad. When in reality, if the train wouldn't have hit, we'd have kept going. We'd have got sideswiped coming, somebody coming across on Poland. We'd have ended up in the hospital. But the train saved us. And here we are grunting and complaining because we caught the train, and God's like, Psh, if you only knew. Sometimes, I don't know if you ever do this, I do this with myself about me. That, and maybe it's because I'm getting a little older. I found some grays in my beard the other day and I got so excited, y'all, I really did. Bring it. If, if my hairline's got to be this bad, at least make it gray. Give me some wisdom in it. But, but, I sit back and I wonder, God, I got to frustrate you sometimes. Like the way I react to things I'm going through and the way I think sometimes, he's got to be like, bro, if you only knew. If you could only see like, just zoom out a bit and you can see what I'm seeing, what's not happening to you or what I'm about to do for you. If you could only, if you just shut up and drive like I'm telling you to. 
Just keep walking. Day by day, walking at, can, can, uh, just do that and I'll take care of it. Are you aware of what he's keeping you from? Sometimes you just got to drive down the road and thank him that your car works. You got to drive, Lord, I thank you. No, my, I, I may not be as healthy as I want to be, but I'm not dead. I still got my grandkids. I can still see them. I can still talk to them, all those different things. Just being thankful and are you aware of what he's doing? And third is are you committed? And this one has some more little sub points to it. Are you committed? See, living in Goshen is not just a, a place. The word means drawing near. So am, are you living in a place of drawing near? Are you living? And drawing near is a continual action. If I'm drawing near to my wife, I will be walking down these stairs and getting closer to her intentionally. I'd be drawing to her. I'd be going towards her. The question for you is, are you living in Goshen? Are you living in a place of drawing near to Jesus? Well, Pastor Chris, I don't know what that looks like. Let me give you some examples. Some people know of Goshen, but they choose not to live there. They've grown up in church. They know the stories. They've encountered the presence of God, but they just choose not to live there. I don't want to. That life is boring. People are fake. Whatever. I got hurt. Whatever. I'm just not going to live there. Okay. There's some people who visit Goshen regularly, but they still got their house in Egypt. And what that looks like is, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, but I'm going to keep my own Saturday night. I'm going to go to life group during the week, but I'm going to keep my habits the way I want them. I'm going to get full of one spirit on Saturday night, spirits. Y'all ever wonder why it's called wine and spirits? I'm going to get full of spirits on Saturday night, and I'm going to go get a touch of the spirit on Sunday morning. See, I know Goshen is real. I know it. I believe it. But I still got my house in Egypt. I want the best of both worlds. Like, who is that? Handy Montana? Who was that? Yeah, she wants the best of both worlds. Stupid song. Oh, I know that because Cliff and Emma, I never watched Hannah Montana. I want to make sure that's very clear. Did not watch the show. <laughs> Did not do it. Nope, not me. But that was way funnier than I ever expected it to be. That just came off the top of my head. That was good. Anyway, people are flirting with Goshen. It's almost like I want to stay close enough so when I get in trouble, I can go. But when I'm doing good, I want to have my own thing. See, here's the problem. When the, the plagues hit, when the judgment hit, it didn't matter if you were close to Goshen. It didn't matter if you, if you knew you should be there, but you weren't at the moment. When the plague hit and you weren't in Goshen, the plague hit. And there's some people in here today that are going to, and some of them are going to watch this. And you're flirting with Goshen. You're getting close to it, but you're not ready to dive in and move into Goshen. And I'm telling you right now, get there. There's a, there's a stirring in my spirit. There's almost a warning in my spirit. Now is not the time to be playing outside of Goshen. Get where you need to be.
Another example of Goshen in the Bible is Noah's Ark. Noah, he, he, he begged and he preached and he offered to every single person around him to join him on the ark. But the only ones who listened were him, his wife, and his three sons and their wives. And they got on the ark and it said that, I think Hannah Wilson posted this on Facebook, and God sealed them in the ark. Listen carefully. You don't have to protect yourself when you're in Goshen. God does it. You just got to be in Goshen. And I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not up here prophesying doom and gloom. I'm not up here saying all this kind of stuff. But I can promise you this. I can promise you this. Regardless of what happens in this nation, in this world, in this economy, in the politics, regardless of what happens, the king I serve is on a throne. It's above it all. And his jurisdiction is where I'm placing myself and everything else can figure itself out because I'm with Jesus. So my, my first question for you uh, about what it means to live in Goshen is to pursue Jesus. Psalm 63.1, God, my, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I'm going to pursue Jesus. I need more of Jesus. I need more of him today than I had yesterday. And I need more of him tomorrow than I have today. Because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. So I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto me. I need more of Jesus. And I'm just going to let you know. You need more of Jesus. You might be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Life's good, 401K's good, marriage's good, kids are good, I'm good. It's good today, right now, at what time is it? 12.13. But it might not be good at 1.13. It might not be good at 12.14. You don't know what phone call is coming. You don't know what's about to take place. One thing I do know for sure is that when I'm with Jesus, if it ain't good, it will be. Not because he does good things, because he is good. Pursue Jesus. And I love asking this question. And I've been working with our staff and our leadership on setting goals for 2024. But I love this question. This year, did you get more like Jesus or did you become less like him? In your walk with the Lord this year, are you more, uh, are you a better example of who he is to your world that you live in or are you less of an example? Have you learned more about him this year than you did last year than you were before? Just like in a marriage, I can't stop learning about my wife. I can't stop falling in love with my wife. I, just because I'm married doesn't mean it stops. The fact that I'm married means I've committed to do it for the rest of my life. Are you pursuing Jesus? One of my goals next year, because I, 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 I've been doing this for a little while now. And I was like, I want to learn the Bible more. But I kind of know a, a good bit of the Bible. But I needed to do, I wanted a different type of approach, different type of challenge. And I remembered something that I learned years ago. And so next year, my goal is if you look at the Bible, you'll see the chapter headings inside a chapter, like the little breakdowns of what's about to happen, labels or whatever. I want to memorize four books of chapter headings. So that you could ask me, Pastor Chris, what takes place in Romans chapter 6? And I could tell you the chapter headings in Romans 6. Why? I can't quote the whole chapter, but I could tell you what's in each chapter. Why? Because I want to know him more. 
And I'm going to just let you know something. If your pastor is that hungry, start eating. If you're, if you're committed to make this your church and you're following my wife and I, we're hungry people. Get hungry. Because he's going to fill those that are hungry. So the first is to pursue Jesus. The second one is to be faithful to the body and church. Fasten your seatbelts. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. I know this is going to rub people the wrong way. Whoops, blame the Lord. Um, but when I was a kid, um, we didn't miss church. I need, I need you to understand something. I really need, I need you to hear what I'm saying and pick up what I'm putting. We did not miss church. To the point that when my mom would be sick, my dad was a PI, so, and listen, disclaimer, if you have to work, that's one thing. If you're on vacation, that's one thing. If you're one of the poor, unfortunate souls that sent somebody in their family to radiate and got the stomach virus, and you're not, that's what she said. The women's event was a super spreader. I don't know. I'm glad I'm a dude <laughs> anyway. But sometimes you're just like sick, 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 and you don't need to be, oh, I get it. All right? But if it ain't that, we were in church. I can remember times where my mom would be sick, sick, and my dad would be working, and she would come wake us up, fix us breakfast, and get us dressed, and my grandmother or another friend of family in the church would pick me and Cody or me, Cody, and Cliff up and take us to church because in this house, we don't miss. And it's getting quiet in here. But I do this thing on Sundays. And I need to stop doing this thing. Because I don't like this thing, but it happens. On Sundays, and if the Saints were better, I wouldn't do this. But during the Saints game, while I'm watching that slow, unbelievably gross torture of Saints football, y'all, it's worse than the early 90s right now because we think we're good. In the early, like the late 90s, we knew we weren't. We think we're good right anyway. But, sorry. Sports opinions shouldn't matter, sorry, Lord. But I'll scroll through Facebook. And I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm not being judgmental or critical, I'm being honest with you. I am amazed at the things people will put before going to church. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And you may think that my family was crazy and we've made jokes that my mom was a ministry Nazi, but I can literally remember we would show up late to family events. There were times that her family, her sisters, or her mom would plan things to start right at the exact moment church would end just to kind of prove a point. Well, we didn't show up. We didn't leave church early. We showed up late. We still went, loved everybody, had a good time, but we showed up late because that's when me and my house will serve the Lord. And I can't help but do this when I'm scrolling through sometimes and I see, I see people that have just put something else before going to church because it's just one week. It's just, it's just one time. It's just, it's just one thing. 
and I just scroll, and I just, and I, I often know what that particular person or family they're believing God for, also. And I just scroll through, and the thought crosses my mind what if God would have done something today and they weren't here? See, I don't know if you know this, but when I show up on Sundays, the Holy Spirit's here. And I'm expecting Him to do whatever it is that He wants when I'm in this room with Him. And He's going to be here. And it's a scheduled appointment. He's coming every time. Like our service time, we just don't show up for it. He shows up for it too. Why would I want to miss being in the room with the God of heaven and a, a, another 120, 130 believers on a Sunday morning in the same room, 145, I don't know, maybe y'all in here, I don't know, 150 people worshiping Jesus. Why would I want to miss that? The saints are terrible. I'll get there at the end of the first quarter. It's so quiet. This is not judgment. It's my job as pastor to let you know when things are getting out of line. And I'm just saying, we've been missing church for some foolish reasons. You control your schedule. Schedule things outside of it. Don't miss gathering together. Because as things go, as time passes, as the days come, as persecution rises, I need to be with the body of Christ and the family of God. When I'm walking through a trial, I need to be surrounded by people who can pick me up and walk with me. Yeah, but this person looked at me funny. This person didn't talk to me. I don't know why my voice is changing when I'm saying these things. It just, just, just happens. I don't know. I read a quote this morning. The church on its worst day is better than the world on its best. I will take a busted up, broken, confused, unorganized body of believers who know they're saved than the greatest intention-filled room of sinners. Because in that believer is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And it's the same one in me. First is pursue Jesus. Second is stay connected. Be faithful to the body. And third is stay faithful in giving. And I'm being particular on this. I'm making sure you hear me on this. Malachi chapter 3. You know the verse. Bring all the tithes, tithes, 10% into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Y'all, that that phrase should get you excited God says try me God try me see if I won't that's what he's saying see if I won't do it try me some of you tell that to your kids right clean up your room try me see if I won't right that's what God's saying see if I won't test me see if I won't do what my word says I'll do. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not be room enough to receive it. And if that wasn't enough, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor sh shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Says the Lord of hosts, all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Don't stop giving. I'm not saying this because I need your money. I don't need your money. The church don't need your money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This is strictly for your benefit to be connected to the source and the fountain that never runs dry. 
to be invested in the economy that's never had a recession, it's never had a depression, and it's always increasing. That's what I'm saying is don't stop. Stay faithful. Stay with it. Because he's looking to show himself of who's God in the land by what he does in Goshen. The place of drawing near. See, I believe that you're going to go to work. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to your family. And you're going to walk in. And they're going to know there's something different. What is that difference? I'm dwelling in Goshen. The difference is I'm dwelling in the land that God has for me. I'm dwelling in a place of drawing near to Jesus. However, there was one plague at the end. After the nine had gone through the first three, hit everybody. The second six hit only Egypt. But the third one, Moses goes to see Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. And so Moses, and you got to remember, there's, there's, no, there's no internet, there's no phones. It's all word of mouth. And Moses goes back and tells the people, hey, I need you to spread this. But tonight, God's bringing judgment upon the land of Egypt. And so I need you to take a lamb. I need you to slaughter it. And I need you to put the blood of that lamb over your doorpost of your home. Because the Lord's coming through and he's going to kill the firstborn of every person in the, in the land of Egypt that doesn't have blood on their doorpost. That seems violent. That seems so harsh. So they went and they, they obeyed in the land of Goshen. And they killed the, the lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of the Lord, the, the angel of the Lord walked by, he saw the blood and he passed over it. That's where the Passover feast comes from. But Pastor Chris, I thought they lived in Goshen. I thought they lived in the land that, that, that God was using to show that he was God. I thought they were living in Goshen. I thought, I thought the bad stuff didn't happen in Goshen. No, even in Goshen, obedience is required. Even in Goshen, obedience is required. No, when darkness fell on Egypt, the light still shined in Goshen. When the, when the locusts came, it didn't go to, to Goshen. When the hail came, it didn't fall in Goshen. When, when all the other things happened, it didn't fall in Goshen. But there was still a requirement of obedience in the land of Goshen. You can be serving Jesus. You can be in church. You can do all these things. But he's still going to require obedience. There's still going to be times when we have to obey him even in the land of blessing and promise. Are you dwelling in Goshen? Are you dwelling in Goshen? I firmly believe that God is starting to show his power in the same manner today as he did back in Exodus. I truly believe he's starting to demonstrate where Goshen is and where Egypt is. Egypt representing the world, the, the part outside of him. I firmly believe that we are going to be seeing this more prevalent in the days to come of where is Goshen and where is Egypt. I'm dwelling in Goshen. I am pursuing Jesus. And although it might rain, although it might not be what I want, it won't be the judgment.
because he will keep me as I'm drawing near. My son, Sam, for all his superhero aspirations, scared of the dark, my little buddy. So much to the point that in the morning when he wakes up, you know he's awake because you hear him sprint because he has to sleep in total darkness, but you hear him sprint from his bed to the door. You hear the door fling open, and he slams it closed, wakes up the whole house. Because he's, he's got to get out. Well, the other night I was putting some deer meat in the freezer, moving some stuff around or whatever. And he came outside, and the light in my garage, it was timed, it went off. And he got scared, because it was dark. And instead of standing there and screaming and yelling. He knew where I was in the general area and he sprinted to me. He ran as fast as he could to me because he knew if I'm by daddy, I'm okay. He drew near to me because he knew there would be safety. This morning, some of you need to go to Goshen. You need to recognize that my life hasn't been what it needs to be, and I need to relocate myself to Goshen. I need to draw near to Dad. I need to draw near to where he is. You may not have all the answers. You may not have everything figured out. But I'm telling you this morning, draw near to Goshen. Draw near to him. Would you bow your heads this morning?